Welcome to another episode of the Salsa Soul Food Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Spignese, and I'm joined by my fabulous producer, Mark Damon. And on today's show, we have the very knowledgeable and incredible Dr. Anjali. Dr. Anjali Singh is a senior faculty member of the Boston Ayurveda School. Her career in India established her as a prominent figure in Ayurveda. With a Bachelor of Ayurvedic Medicine and Surgery and PhD in Herbal Pharmacology from Banaras Hindu University, she became a professor of plant medicine at Sri Krishna Ayurveda College and a leading doctor at SAS Ayurveda Hospital, treating a vast range of ailments and continuing to teach and train young clinicians. She is an expert in digestive issues, respiratory diseases, allergies, gynecological problems, infertility, skin diseases, diabetes, and much more. She also is trained in marmotherapy and has the expertise to create cleansing programs for specific body types. Part of her mission is to impart the wisdom of Ayurveda to Westerners to look at their health and wellness differently. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Angela. And hi, Mark. Uh, Thanks for this excellent uh, introduction of mine. Um, I am feeling so overwhelmed right now. So uh, it's my pleasure today to just speak about few things about Ayurveda because I am because of Ayurveda. So yeah, so we can start now. Yeah, so to give everyone some context, I met Dr. Anjali through the Boston Ayurveda um, personalized Ayurveda immersion program. She was assigned to me um, as my uh, practitioner. So I'm so grateful because I remember listening to podcasts, sort of people's wellness journeys and them interviewing their practitioners. And so I feel like I've manifested her because now I'm able to have someone here, not only that I love so much, but she's actually helped me heal so many things. So I feel that it's very authentic. So thank you so much. So first, just tell us a little bit about your background, your upbringing, what led you to become an Ayurvedic practitioner? Okay, it's a it's a good question. And I feel nostalgic when I start my journey from my childhood, then my um, young age, then I'm practicing here in US. So officially, the Ayurveda journey, it started uh, in year 2000. When I get enrolled as an uh, undergrad to study this whole science as a big achievement. And but when I was a kid, like I was introduced with Ayurveda uh, from my dad and my mom. Uh, I remember those days when those days when I was waking up late, my dad usually scolds me. Is this the time to wake up? Is this really you will uh, achieve your goal in your life? So that first scolding, I remember every every time, whenever I get up late, I always remember those um, heavy voice that, oh, this is not the time, Anjali, to get up. So I, I always try to be disciplined. I always try to be like on track. So that was the one thing that uh, pushed me towards uh, this whole uh, lifestyle thing and the Ayurveda thing. Then whenever we get sick, uh, I was introduced only with herbal uh, medicines. Like, for example, I have never taken any antibiotics in my life. I have never taken any painkiller so far. And because whenever we we got sick, my mom uh, introduced me with uh, golden milk. I think everyone knows that what is golden milk. So for pain, 
for throat infection, for any inflammation in your body, she was usually giving us uh, turmeric and milk. And somehow, if you are having some congestion in your body or um, especially in your lungs, so that any um, cough and cold happens, then she was giving me a herbal uh, formulation mixed with ghee, uh, the cow ghee, and sometime with honey. So it depends like when you should take that medicine with honey and when you should take with ghee. So that difference, sometimes it, it just came in my mind when I was a kid and I was asking why you sometimes give with ghee and why sometimes with honey. So she said, uh, it depends on your body state. It depends on your uh, disease condition. So then I was very much uh, like uh, always an enthusiasm that what it is, like how we, ha we have to approach all these things. Then I started my uh, career planning and then I started my examination preparation because in back in India, everything is so competitive. Like you need to prepare uh, too much to get enrolled in any courses. Like I'm pretty much sure here's also the same thing, but I don't know the plan and the rules regulation here. That's why I'm talking. It's too competitive there. So uh, there, is, there are four categories. One is uh, modern medicine. Second is Ayurved medicine. The third is homeopathy. And the fourth is Yunani medicine. So somehow, because of my preparation, how I was prepared at that time, I got admission in Ayurveda. So that was the second option, like up after modern medicine. So when, when I took that admission, my dad said, uh, okay, you can try for modern medicine as well. Later, just take that admission and uh, study that. And maybe you will like it over the time. So I said, okay, I can give a try. Because I was I was not totally aware with Ayurveda. So I was very immature, very naive in those thoughts. Then I enrolled in, then I did my undergrad. I like the concepts because it's so easy to adjust with Ayurveda in your day-to-day -day life. And you when you get to know that what are the facts of Ayurveda, then you create a love towards it. So that is the main important thing why I incline towards Ayurveda. So that four and a half years of undergrad, then it gave me a push. Now you have to learn more. So then I uh, get enrolled in herbology, what you are saying, but we say uh, plant pharmacology, the detailed study of all herbs or plants. And that is for three years. And at that time, I researched on chronic wound healing. And that wound was uh, because of diabetes, the diabetic foot. Uh, the lepritic wound, uh, the pressure ulcer, the venous ulcer. So I have worked on these ulcers and treated with the help of herbs. So there were two herbs. One was famous, the neem, which is very good disinfectant. And the other one was turmeric, which, which is very popular in whole world right now. So there, those were two uh, herbs where I worked on. And then after that, then I like my professors, my parents, they said, no, you have you have excelled a lot. You have to do a lot then. So I was in proper guidance and my parents, my teachers were always with me. Then my dad said, go for a PhD. Then I planned for a PhD. Then I did my PhD in vulvovaginitis. And there I worked on a herbal plant prepared in oil, which uh, helped many ladies who suffered with vulvovaginitis. So the undergrad, then MD, then PhD. Then I started my career as a uh, professor over there, assistant professor. Then because of my husband's job, we moved here and now I'm here in Boston School of Ayurveda. 
so this is whole journey <laughs> yes oh, i love hearing all those stories especially from your childhood those are those are beautiful and tell us for the listeners who might have not had any exposure yet to ayurveda can you give us a brief background of what it is i know that's very difficult because it is such a complex system but just something just to a brief summary okay so uh Definitely, it's a good question to uh, create a, a, a good understanding about what Ayurveda is, why we should learn about it, and why it's so important and related to our body. So I will just go one by one with this. So first is the Ayurveda is all about the specific body type, and the specific body type is formed by three important doshas which governs your body. So these governing factors are three vital important pillars of your life, which create a healthy balance and which make you survive as a healthy human being. So these are three in numbers. I think a lot of people, they must be aware about it, but I will give you a general idea how we can understand these three doshas. So the first is Vata. The second main dosha is Pitta. And the third is Kapha. So we need to understand what are the function of these doshas and why it's important to understand these. So first is Vata that explains about all movements of your body. So whatever movement is just happening inside your body is Vata. And we can understand with like moving your hands, eating food by your hand, and then uh, propelling that food down in your stomach, then uh, and chewing by your teeth. So, so all these movements and propelling it down the large intestine and elimination of your poop and all these whole complex process is just governed by vata. So all movement, uh, you can say that initiation of any uh, function, or you can say any sensation in your body, or you can say any motivational movement, like uh, the motivation comes from vata, like I have to do this work, I have to perform the stars. So all these uh, functions just come from vata. And if you go to another dosha, that is pitta. So pitta is responsible for uh, the energy production, or we can say the transformation in your body. So all chemical reactions or changes, which happens in terms of uh, digestive changes, when we take a gross edible food, then it converts into small fragment so that our body can digest that small fragments and digestible portion of that food. So that whole mechanism is governed by pitta. So that is important action of pitta. So for say, like if your body is warm, so that is because of pitta. If your body is cold, so that is your pitta is reduced. So it's not that good enough to uh, reflect the warmness, warmth of your body. So that is one factor. And another is the digestion, which I discussed that digestion is another important uh, responsible action of pitta. Then your hunger. Uh, when you feel hungry, that means your pitta is working fine. If not, then there is a, some problem. So that action is also governed by pitta. Then your metabolism. Once that metabolism is fine, your body is fine. You are healthy. So you are not having any disease. So this is all about pitta. So vata is movement. Pitta is transformation or all chemical changes. And kapha is stability. 
the integrity of your body, uh, the strength of your body. So that provides immunity to your body. So that structural integrity, that immunity, growth. So whatever growth happens, if your growth is normal, that means kapha is working fine and you are all three doshas are normal and you are a healthy person. I would like to explain this vata, pitta and kapha with a small, very related example. Like everybody knows that our body is made up of cell. So our unit is cell, okay? So how we can understand these three doshas and how they are working at cellular level, it's so amazing. Uh, like all exchanges of your ions or electrolytes or intracellular or extracellular fluid, which goes inside the cell and goes out from the cell. So that happens, that movement happens because of vata. And the transformation, like production of energy from mitochondria, formation of protein from ribosomes or endoplasmic reticulum. So these transformation happens because of the help of pitta. And the stability, that cell membrane, the structural integrity of the cell is just governed by kapha. So see, you can see the beauty of balance, like how a cell can be intacted with the normal health and these vata, pitta and kapha can help uh, creating your normal health. So this is all about vata, pitta and kapha. So all, we need to understand the doshas all about. Yes. Yeah, that's great. And especially because Ayurveda is becoming popularized now in the States, it's I'm happy that the listeners can hear that explanation so that it's not just watered down to, you know, someone is vata or someone is kapha or pitta. There's it's it's really about how it exists in the whole body. So I, I love that. And also, I wanted to ask, um, were your parents at all? Because I know that this, of course, is from India originally for our listeners to understand. And did they have the knowledge just from their parents and ancestors or were they all? Or were they also um, practitioners of some sort? Yeah, it's a good question. I want to always talk about my dad because I'm so much influenced by him. Good that you asked me. Otherwise, I don't want my listener to bore like I'm talking more about my uh, parents. So uh, the thing is, my dad is an Ayurvedic laparoscopic surgeon. And you must be surprised that Ayurvedic laparoscopic surgeon. So I would explain a little bit over here. Sushruta. Uh, he is a father of surgery and he has explained the Nari Yantra that is laparoscopic instrument. So second century, like he explained everything about laparoscopic surgery in second century BC. And now every whole world is just working on that laparoscopic technique. So it's already evaluated. So my dad started PhD on this topic. And now he's a very famous surgeon over there in our town as an Ayurvedic laparoscopic surgeon. So because he was totally into Ayurveda and because of his, his origin, like he belongs to Ayurveda. So that's the reason I was totally indulged in Ayurveda. And my uh, grandfather, uh, was professionally, he was uh, like, uh, he had a different profession, but he also very much indulged in like, if there is too much of abdominal pain, then what herbs we should go for? If, if uh, some indigestion happens, then what herbs we should take it from kitchen? So all these just explained by from my grandfather, then it came to my dad, then from my dad to me. 
and my brother is also a doctor so he's also practicing and he was an ayurvedic scholar and then he started that modern medicine because he read again he enrolled in that modern medicine so this is whole story about my uh, family <laughs> Yeah, no, I I love that because that's where everything get is started in the in with the family in in some way. And tell us a little bit more about your I know you mentioned some of the remedies that the formulations you were working on with herbs, but kind of what what the different herbal remedies look like in Ayurveda because for those who don't know, like I'll tell my friends like I'm taking my herbs and I I imagine they probably think like I just have like herbs like I don't know like around my kitchen which I do but I wanted to take a shot of oregano real quick yeah exactly (laughs) and so there are like the kitchen herbs we have but then what are some of the formulations look like that people could potentially purchase in the U.S. so they can get a better idea of what it kind of what they look like okay but yeah it's a good question uh but before starting that if I'm explaining that these are the formulations and these are meant for such and such situation. But for anyone who is listening this, they should have uh, a proper guidance or consultation, whatever Ayurvedic practitioner or whoever is available in their region, they should have a consultation and then they can start these herbs. So uh, these herbs can make miracle, can do miracle, but sometimes it's not good to use these without asking with someone who is uh, uh specialist in that field yeah so if you talk about the formulations like uh if i explain different herbs like for example if i'm talking about dry ginger so dry ginger has a different action if i talk about black pepper so it has a different action if you talk about uh uh, there is another species of black pepper which is called piper longum that has a different action but when you combine these all three herbs together in form of tablet or in form of powder or in form of syrup that comes in asava and arishtam, so that action would be different. For example, if we are making a powder out of these three herbs, which I mentioned before, so those person who have good agni, good digestive capacity, so for those, we will advise churnam for certain situation. But if someone having a little uh, difficult digestion, so we will advise them uh, decoction. So decoction, how you prepare decoction? You just boil these herbs in water and uh, until uh, like a certain amount is remaining, then you can drink it based on your digestive system, based on your appetite or agni. And similarly, if there is some circulation defect or any problem happens in your body, then we advise them to use a fermented uh, formulation that is called arishtam. So that is another uh, uh, good formulation. So we have to understand the body type of a person or a client based on that, what kind of agni he or she is having. And based on that report, we try to advise some formulation. So this is the difference between herbs and formulation. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's great. And I also wanted to ask you, because something that I learned with uh, Dr. Anjali was when I first met with her, I was taking a probiotic and I was a synthetic probiotic and I was taking that, I mean, probably for over two years. So I know that that's something that's very p- common and popular and, and can have many benefits, of course. Um, but can you speak a little bit more to sort of the proper usage of 
probiotics and how maybe herbs or other things can come into play to assist? Excellent. Excellent. I wanted to speak about it because a lot of people, they are on synthetic probiotics and they don't know when to use and when not. So we should understand what these probiotics are actually. So if you'll go one by one and unfold the story, then we will be in a better situation to uh, uh, judge that whether we should take that or we should avoid that. So the probiotics are live microorganisms which present in your gut or in your digestive tract, which helps in digestion and making those uh, food which you have in your uh, daily routine and like split in small pieces to make it digestible. So this is the whole beauty about these micro, micro microorganisms. Uh, before we were not aware about these microorganisms that our gut contains certain amount of microorganisms which are important. These days, they have just, after a lot of research and a lot of uh, work on our body, human body, they just figure it out. There are some microorganisms which are important. Usually in this, these synthetic probiotics, the lactobacillus or bifidobacterium or some yeast like such as saccharomyces. So these are the important microbacteriums which helps in the digestion. But sometimes they mix another or some more microorganisms to help you more without knowing that fact, whether it will be good for our system or not. So there is a study has been done in uh, 2012. There was a survey by NIH, National Institute of Health. They have mentioned that in U.S., around 4 million U.S. adults, they have consumed these synthetic probiotics in a span of 30 days. And not only adults, ch children, like they have consumed around like 30 lakh children in the age of 4 to 17 years, they have consumed this uh, uh, probiotics, synthetic probiotics. No matter what, whether they need it or not, just after listening the fact that probiotics are good for health, good for good, your gut need it, and you, they go for it. So this is the whole ideology behind. Now we have to understand like how these probiotic or synthetic probiotic works. So first is it creates a community of microorganisms in your body. That is first thing. Second thing is it releases some, some, some substances which helps in your digestion. And the third important is it generates immunity. How? Because if bacterium, these microbacterium helps in your digestion, so your absorption will be better and you are getting the essence of that food completely, 100%, then you are getting the good immunity. So these are the four, three important uh, uh, reasons why we consume probiotics. Now, what harm comes with synthetic probiotic? That is very important. So just without giving a second thought, whether we should need it or not, somehow we end up on some synthetic probiotic uh, because some of your friends, some of your relatives, they say, oh, probiotics are so good. You should take it. So the harms could be the substances which is released by these microorganisms to digest Sometimes it's harmful as well because we don't know that what kind of bacterium are there and what kind of substances they are releasing. That is one factor. Another is that very important that these microorganisms transfer the antibiotic resistant gene into our gut microorganism. 
and they create us as a resistant human being towards certain antibiotics and here that uh, problem comes so this is another important things that we have to think about then the third thing comes uh, important factor then we have to uh, judge in between whether we should take it or not so what are the situation when we should take it like if somebody having antibiotic associated diarrhea somebody is suffering with some necrotizing enterocolitis somebody is suffering with some ulcerative colitis disorder uh, ibs inflammatory bowel disease so these are the situation where you should go for it but don't take it without asking the health professional if they ask you to take this synthetic probiotic take it otherwise don't eat it as a supplement these are not supplement at all this is a very hard fact and also if i talk about ayurveda ayurveda has many natural probiotics explained and there is a term given to these recipes called as kanji i think lot of people they must be aware about it or if not then i'll explain a little bit about kanji because it's very helpful in your daily routine so how we prepare these um it can be prepared from grains like rice it can be prepared from uh, root vegetables like beetroot like turnip like radish and some other vegetables as well like i, I like there is a big list so i'm just taking few of them which is which you are also familiar with so how we can do that so we take a, a a certain amount of water and we cut these vegetables in it and keep it there for uh 3 to 4 days after adding some herbs like cumin like black pepper like uh ginger powder to make that fermentation healthy because we are keeping it for 3 to 4 days to get it for ferment properly so if that fermentation is proper so these natural microorganism just develop inside and if it is summer you can keep it for 3 to 4 days to ferment if it is winter then you have to keep it for long just because of the weather or the temperature so maybe you can leave it for 10 to 14 days and after that just keep it in the refrigerator and then you can use these solution or recipe as an probiotic natural probiotic and it will help in your digestion and just stay away like you can it can keep you away from all diseases So this is all about the natural probiotics. Yes, I know so many people are going to be excited to hear that because I was one of those people that would recommend probiotics to everyone I I met. So I I always tell people with with the podcast that, you know, my my knowledge is constantly changing as well and so it's great to have you bring that that piece for everybody. Uh and I also wanted to ask you a little bit about your uh, experience with marma therapy. Mhm. Yeah, okay. It's great actually. So that uh the smarma therapy now it's emerging a uh, lot of people they know about what are these marmas and uh, how we can deal uh, uh, in certain diseases with the help of this marma therapy so marma therapy is explained again by sushrut the father of surgery and he has mentioned certain points in your body which are a complex or plexus of your nerve veins and arteries and these points if you know these uh, 108 points or marmas in your body and utilize it wisely then it can treat some incurable diseases like paralysis like uh, uh chronic pain uh frozen shoulder or some low back problems like it's it's good to treat all those chronic ailments 
So this is all about marma. And for example, like if somebody is having, there is a story behind that marma therapy. Like in olden days, when our soldiers, they were fighting for a long, long time, like uh, the fight was like, uh, goes on for one week or two weeks or three weeks. So how they were reviving their energy with the help of these marma points. So they were using this technique to get revive themselves and get their energy back and again, move on. So this is all about that marma therapy. Yeah. And is it, I'm not sure, I think I heard this, but obviously Ayurveda is, you know, 5,000 years old and I'm not sure when marma therapy came, you know, started, but is that now uh, traditional Chinese medicine took that over and it became like acupuncture? Is it related to the marma? No, points? the marma therapy and acupuncture are totally different. So both are the different signs. And definitely it's a beautiful science that acupuncture, which a lot of people, they are getting benefited with that science. That is tremendous and amazing science. But this marma therapy is totally different from acupuncture. That I can tell you. Okay, I see. That makes sense. And... So now we're in, well, we're starting to move into spring. I know it's a, it's a slow, slow transition, but can you tell us a little bit more about sort of seasonal changes within Ayurveda and how we prepare our bodies and maybe link it to the, the cleanses that you assist people with as well? Yeah. So again, uh, we have started our discussion from doshas. So why these uh, seasonal restrictions and rules are there to get back those doshas normal so that is the whole uh, idea behind why our ancient teachers they have explained lifestyle they have explained seasonal restrictions and rules formation uh, so for example as you have started and uh, uh, with spring so spring is something which is predominant in kapha and we know that uh, uh, i should tell you about that little about kapha that kapha is something which is heavy which makes your body heavy, uh, which delays your digestion because it's heavy. So if you are taking two hours to digest your food in summer, you will take maybe four to five hours to digest your food in spring. So you have to plan accordingly. So that is uh, something why we should think about the seasonal variation. For example, uh, when winter comes, we eat a lot of heavy things like cheese, a uh, lot of uh, fried substance or a uh, lot of protein because we need to satisfy our hunger because in winters, hunger is on peak. So we need to eat more. So when you eat more, it's just stores inside your body. And when you enter, like when, when winter goes uh, away and when you enter in the spring season, that accumulated heavy substance is just goes on peak and because of sun rays is just melts down and because of that melted kapha or melted fat in your body you feel little heavy so this is something behind the change of season from winter to spring so now what kind of diet you should follow in the spring season that should be something light uh, something easy to digest and the warm water warm water is especially indicated in uh, spring season because your digestion takes little uh, uh, time to digest your food and uh, you feel a little heavy inside. So warm water helps in proper digestion. It opens your channels. It, it helps in better absorption. Also, we avoid, we ask our clients to avoid using yogurt 
because yogurt is again a healthy substance uh, and it blocks your channel. So our aim is to open up your channels, to uh, uh, flourish more, to open your sweat glands, to sweat more. So these are the aim for uh, spring season. And we also advise that go for too much of workout or exercise so uh, you can uh, sweat more and your body will feel healthy. Also, we advise honey. Honey is astringent, light in property. It helps in your digestion. So instead of using sugar, you should switch to honey. But one more important fact I should tell here that never ever try to take honey, something with hot substance or don't boil the honey because it's contraindicated in Ayurveda due to some reason. So it's it's detailed explanation. So I'm not taking that in here, but you should avoid heating up the honey. So these are the small changes which you can apply during spring season. And the moment summer comes, you should be ready with uh, uh, some cold water, some chill uh, substance because your body is already heated up because of that atmospheric sun. So you need to be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's I'm going out tomorrow for Easter dinner with my family and I'm already prepared to order hot water. And I know everyone's going to make fun of me, but it's it's fine. Eventually they will they'll come to, to my side, to the Ayurveda yes, side. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so I know now I think you've had you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a little bit over a year living in the States or in Boston. And can you explain I know it's been a very interesting time, but of any um, differences that you've noticed with sort of American culture or the um, the U.S. medical system compared to India or just some of your uh, th the things that you've observed? Uh, yeah. So I have observed like so far uh, what I'm experiencing in terms of healthcare difference from U.S. to India. Few things are very similar. Uh, I will start with the similarity, then I'll uh, make it apart because I want to whole country to be uh, as a single entity to follow good things together. Uh, so the similarity is the lifestyle disorder, the diabetes, hypertension, obesity. And these are the similar problems, even digestive uh, uh, diseases like uh, some people are suffering with C. diff problems, some people are suffering with SIBO. These are very common ailments. Like these days, India is also facing the same problem because the diet is just changing. We are more inclining towards that junk food. We are more uh, inclined towards that ready to eat food. We don't have time to spend. Everybody is busy. So these are the sub common uh, common um, ailments, or we can say common problems I'm facing in here and back in India. And also the healthcare, if I talk about, uh, both are more or less same, but the approach, or we can say, uh, sometime getting medicines or sometime getting treated in India is quite easy rather in the US because here there are a lot of restrictions. And one restriction, what I feel is, Ayurveda has a variety of herbs not only plant-based, also mineral-based. So these herbal mineral preparation does miracle in treating a person or helping a person with some certain disease or ailments like paralysis, like cancer. So these are the ailments where these herbal mineral herbs can work. But here in the US, uh, they have totally restricted 
the use of herbal mineral um, substance or herbal mineral preparations out of fear, like that can damage your kidney, that can damage your uh, uh, lung or maybe your vital organs. So that there is a big fear about it. So that needs some more research work. And then they can they they have to develop that faith because we have that one stream where we can get the help from these herbal mineral preparations and those uh, incurable disease can be cured. So that is one important difference I feel. And sometimes I expect, I hope maybe in future we'll be able to use that just for the uh, uh, sake of the human society or human race to make them healthy. Yes, I hope so too. We'll have to manifest, put it out there for sure. And what are some of the more common ailments or conditions that you've seen with your clients, you know, in, in India and then in the U.S. as well? Uh, so just, just I said before that the common ailments I, I have seen that lifestyle disorder is the major uh, problem where these diabetes and uh, obesity and especially the digestive diseases that uh, irritable bowel syndrome and then uh, inflammatory bowel disease. The most common factor why I feel that this is common in between because these diseases are psychophysiological etiology because everybody is stressed. We are just running behind of something. We don't know where we are running, but we are running. And just because of this stress, the psychological aspect is just involving your physiology, your health, your physical body, and that is involving your whole body system, like uh, over stress, over emotional depression. Uh, you're not able to speak with someone you are not able to uh, show that confidence to people like somebody is there for you somebody can help you when you are in a pain when you are in sad mood or emo you are emotionally break down so that strength somehow I'm feeling like it's just spreading everywhere so whole world is just coming and suppressing under the psychophysiological disorders that is something very important right now and we have to work on it and Ayurveda is the only thing which can help us to survive in this situation. Yes, I'm glad that you brought that up, especially now during a pandemic when people are more isolated or dealing with things or lack of resources than uh, perhaps before. And I, th I think a lot of people that are getting Ayurveda, you know, in the West through media, uh, a lot of it is more about lifestyle and, and nutrition specifically, which is all, of course, important. But Ayurveda also has a psychological branch as well. Um, can you just speak a little bit about it? I know that there's, again, it's so complex, but the fact that Ayurveda does have other type of therapies. Yeah, we do have different type, uh, type of therapies, but before going into the therapies, we need to, I need to explain a bit about what are the mind factors or what are the mind doshas uh, we need to work on. So like I have discussed about three physical doshas that are Vata, Pitta and Kapha. Similarly, our mind has three important, uh, again, uh, vital uh, support that we can say sattva, raja, and tama. So these three doshas, or we can say the factors together can help us making us stable towards any outer emotions. And it can like, for example, if somebody is having high in sattva, so their judgment power, their integrity towards emotion, their balance towards their emotion is always high. And if, if you talk about the raja, 
like if somebody is having more high in raja they are always agitated always active towards their emotions and a smart small triggering factor can change their uh, emotions and mood and it, they are so vulnerable towards all these small triggering factors and if you talk about tama tama is someone who just stay wanted to stay in dark wanted to stay in negativity wanted to always uh, stay away from the society they never want to uh, uh, expose uh, uh, towards society because they have the, that fear that if i'll speak to them uh, something going to wrong something going to go bad so that fearful aspect of having so we need all three mind doshas together to be balanced because sometime this tama can hold you from saying wrong word and then raja can trigger you to expose yourself and sattva can balance all three doshas so this is all about the beauty of holistic approach of ayurveda and if the mind and body doshas are balanced then only we can think about a complete health which is called swastha so a lot of people they have aware about that swastha word so that swastha word is just a combination of happy mind body and soul so this is all about that psychophysiology nice and i know you mentioned so you mentioned drinking warm water and like you said Uh, Ayurveda is very in- individualized, right? It's very specific to the body type. But are there a couple of other recommendations you could give to the listeners um, who might just be, you know, going along their lives eating a standard American diet? Some sort of tips that they could add to their daily routine? Yeah, for sure, for sure, because that is the reason. Like we we have to think about what this lifestyle is about. why we are talking about lifestyle to balance our doshas because the whole aim is to make your doshas balance so that is the lifestyle explain the seasonal variation explain the psychophysiology explain so everything is just rooming around this one concept that is dosha so let's talk about a little bit of lifestyle and how we can just uh, opt few things to make ourselves healthy for example uh there is a daily rhythm happens every day from morning to night where these three doshas changes like for example uh vata is predominant in morning hours so as i have explained before that what is the main action of vata is the movement so if that movement is fine if your body is moving fine all whole integrity or whole organs are doing fine or moving fine your metabolism will be fine your elimination will be on time and your hunger will be on time so for example if somebody is getting up early in the morning between 4 to 6 am and that time their peristalsis or maybe peristaltic movement is fine it's on peak so whatever you had in night in dinner it's digested properly and it will eliminate on time so my small one suggestion is try to get up early in the morning then start your day with a sufficient amount of water because our whole body needs water to exchange these toxins out from your body and absorb good food which you had in your dinner lunch and breakfast to absorb it properly so the water is important fragment of your whole routine so please don't compromise in water amount you need to drink it at least 2.2 uh, 2.5 to 3 liters of water 
So that is another change. And then when you poop on time, you feel that hunger on time and your digestive juices are happy to secrete on time and they digest your food on time. So when you eat your breakfast, like for say around 8 a.m., you start your day quickly you work your uh, like uh, do with uh, you do your work with happiness with integrity and then the digestion will be on time then you end up lunch on time and again like going towards your dinner time that should be also on on time because and there shouldn't be any in between meal that can disturb your digestion so for say if you're eating your breakfast and you're eating your lunch at 12. So some people, they try to munch in between just for the sake of their uh, mental relaxation and uh, putting that some fact, like if somebody is stressed, they're munching. If somebody is happy, they're munching. So we need to avoid this munching habit in between. So that is one important thing. Uh, we should adapt that. And apart from that, that going to bed on time. A lot of people, they have their tendency to watch their screen during bedtime because they don't get time to watch their favorite TV serials or favorite uh, favorite uh, uh, CDs or shows. So they what they do, they use their phone. So I would strictly say just limit your screen time because already we are in this world of pandemic. Everybody is online, alive. But we are not alive, actually. <laughs> we are just uh, going towards these uh, technology. So we need to restrict the time of these technological exposure and go to bed on time, get a good sleep. So getting good sleep also is very important. And to every each and every person, I would say, go for or adapt some exercise in your routine, either yoga or whatever workout you like, like pilates or, or uh, boot camp, whatever you like, it's up to you. You need to unfold your joints, your muscles, your whole fragment of your body. So these are the few general um, uh, ed, like suggestions from morning to night, how you can adapt a little bit, and then you can fully emerge yourself in Ayurveda. Thank you. I love those. I hope everyone gets a notebook out and they can re-listen to that part if they have to, so they can take some notes. Uh, so tell us where everyone can find you online. Uh, I know through the Boston Ayurveda School, and we'll also put this information in the show notes so people can find you if they need to. Yeah, so that the, right now there is the only place, Boston School of Ayurveda, where I'll be available. And uh, I have started my website also, but it's in a, a baby steps. I have started recently. I was very much into back in India, but I was working a lot with college routines, teaching and everything. So I wasn't getting proper time for that. Now I am again into that. And I'm trying to write a book, a recipe book as well for the general population, because a lot of my client, they ask, uh, do you have that book to recommend something, what I should eat, what, sh what I shouldn't. So I'm planning to do that as well. So it will be like in the market soon, maybe in two to three months, because it's a task. It's a big task. So that I'm also doing. So yeah, this is all about. Yeah, that's so exciting. And we'll definitely promote that as well. Once it comes out, we can, we'll share that with everybody as well. So thank you so much. It was so nice to be able to hear a little bit more about your personal life and your upbringing as well. And I know that this is going to be a great introduction for all the listeners who maybe are, even if they are familiar with Ayurveda, there there's so many beautiful points that you brought up. So I thank you so much for, for being on with us. Thank you so much, Angela and Mark, for just having me here. It was a 
pleasure to me to be a part of your podcast and i loved it i loved it thank you so much thank you you also have a very soothing voice just to let you know like she does, <laughs> right yeah. i was like this is a you have a great voice to listen to thank you so much i i loved it i am excited i shared this with my husband also like oh i have a beautiful voice because he says you always shout in my ears you always shout in my ears so he says oh that God.